Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I'm Zach. And this episode is fueled by lemon poppy seed bread made by the finest bakerette in (laughs) this part of the house. Yes, I guess I made this. But then I also have some almond bread. So that was my choice for today. So two two options and be sure of course as always go to a to z running.com click the word follow so that you know everything that we know <laughs> that is actually the goal to share with you yeah, all of the stuff that everything. we're learning about running and of course on youtube as well and subscribe there click the bell because then we will send our very own personal concierge service to hand you the content as it comes out on youtube in the form of a digital delivery of a video Wow, that was quite the explanation, Zach. Yeah, um, and none of it's really literally true. But we'll still try to give you the content as quickly as we can, and the best way to get that is by following and subscribing. Yeah, because we have some exciting news from the world of running. You don't want to miss that, and we also have great content for you. Which is true every week, which is why you want to subscribe. All right, and we also have comments from subscribers that we like to share in these kinds of things so that you hear the thoughts and questions that are on others' minds, not just on ours. And this week, we did want to especially share a review delivered via Apple by Beto. And thank you, Beto, for sharing this. He said, love to always listen because there is always great info to become better runners and also special guests who are important elite athletes, Mm -hmm. among many other capacities of things that we like to share. So we appreciate and we always like to know. Yes, thank you. We always like to know what are the things that stand out to you the most and the content that seems to be the most helpful, the most interesting, the most practical and all of those things. So continue to share, get engaged in the conversation. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Appreciate it. All of the above. And Beto was our giveaway winner. So we will be sending him the knockaround glasses, the defeat uh, socks, as well as the A to Z running net gator. So we'll be sending that to Mexico to Beto. Lots of good stuff there. Thank you so much. And thank you to the others who also gave a review. So in particular, this episode, we want to feature a product for you PR Souls, and you've heard of the recovery sandals. Now they've got the recovery slippers. Wow, put that foot away. <laughs> it doesn't actually powder it next time or something. So yeah, PR Souls. Um, it's the reason. It's the season, time of year that we the, are season for the reason. <laughs> running out and buying sense. gifts, and these s- slippers are great because they're recovery slippers too. And they yeah. come in A to Z running blue. AccuPoint footbeds and dual texture trigger massage are what make these slippers better than your average. Yeah, slipper. it's like a massage on your foot. And that's really what they try to accomplish. And yeah. the claim that they make is that the AccuPoint technology there, the little pressure points that they've got, really are truly trying to encourage a greater degree of circulation yeah. and all of the stuff, the benefits that happen with massages. And they're slippers, so they're warm and cozy yeah. as well. Sherpa lines. They're fabulous. So thank you to PR Souls for sending us these. And they had mentioned to me that these were designed with athletes and runners, especially in mind. But actually, everyone's been buying them these days because people who work from home or 
are standing for their jobs and then coming home from those jobs, essential workers and such, are finding the need for recovery. But then again, the people that are at home get to choose their footwear. That's it. No one's seeing it. Like we're wearing these right now and you would have never known. Well, we're wearing one of them. The other one we're holding up in the air so that Zach can smell Andy's feet (laughs) near his face the entire time. Oh, goodness. Hey, if you want to treat your feet right, and we know you do because you're runners, you need this kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that makes just a little difference over a long period of time. And these are the things that we like. Yeah, and if you're looking for something to buy a runner friend or you need something to put on a list, this is a great thing. You can go to goneforarun.com or on Amazon. We're going to link to that um, in our show notes. That's a to z running.com slash episode 61. Absolutely. Now, this episode, we are touching on a topic that is vast and deep. And in many ways, we're going to try to wrestle with it from a few different angles in one single episode. And that's not easy to do. And we're talking about mental health, mental Mm -hmm. health as it relates to running. So the question that we're going to address is how does running influence mental health? And we're going to do that by bringing you some research. In fact, we've got a meta study, and it's probably the biggest meta study on running and mental health since the 1970s, if not earlier, taking all research into account from 1970 until like 2018. It's a lot of information. We're going to just boil down the main points and the takeaways there and give you essentially what does the research truly tell us Mm -hmm. from these kinds of things, but then to really drive home the experience that we all understand with what running can or cannot be for us. We have a guest on, Mm -hmm. Carol Sepalu has joined us and will be sharing her experiences in running and how running has influenced her mental health journey. Mm -hmm. And I should mention as we are doing this podcast that if you are sensitive to topics about mental health and suicide, um, I just want to let you know before we get started with this episode. Definitely deep and difficult, but so important. And so we're going to talk about those things soon after the world of running. This week in the world of running, we're bringing some very good news to you. Good and fast. Which are synonymous for running. (laughs) So really great events happening this past weekend. The Airtel Delhi Half Marathon happened and the men's race was amazing and came down to the wire. Three men finished within three seconds of one another. Wow. In a half marathon. So I have had to kick to beat someone in a half marathon one time only in my life. And that was Jed Christensen. (laughs) And I beat him. He was on the podcast. By by one second. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just about the most painful finish of any race ever. Yeah, because you're already like in the well, so down far yep. in the well. So result, you're all waiting to hear it. Fifty-eight, fifty-three. Okay. So fast. That, that is was not done. how fast I finished when I was <laughs> kicking down Jed. Yeah, but it probably hurt about the same, right? I don't know. Fifty-eight, fifty-three probably hurts worse. Yeah, you think so? I think it's all bad when you're in the pain cave. Uh, so that was accomplished by Amdawork Welligan from Ethiopia, and he was the bronze medalist at the World Championships, and this was his personal best time in the event. Nice. Mm-hmm. So these are the kinds of people that we are seeing running all of these races, and it has not been, and this is what makes it so exciting for us, it's not been the same people winning them each yeah. time. So you notice he, he was bronze medalist in the world champs. Now he pulls off the win in a very internationally competitive race. Yeah. Good stuff. Very competitive race because he only beat his competitor by one second, who was the reigning champion the past two years, and that was 
Andamalak, Behulihu. Bellahu. Like I'm so sorry, you guys. Just keep going. Uh, 58, 40, 54. And like I said, he was a champion the past two years. And they only won by another two seconds. And that was Steven Kissa. He uh, ran the time of 58, 56. Wow. Yeah. All right. So yeah. f- three under 59 minutes as well, which rarely ever happens at a half marathon. That's yeah. Incredible. Well, eight under an hour. Eight under an hour, too, which Eight. also rarely ever happens. That Yeah, so very yeah. rarely happens. And I do want to mention that Avanish Sable, he was the first Indian across the line. Remember, this was in his home country, Delhi. so it makes it a big, big deal. And uh, he ran a four-minute personal best, which is gigantic, especially that he leapt from being a good half marathoner to being a world class half marathoner. And he ran a time of one hour and 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. And this is a national record for India. That's a, that's a hard four minutes to leap even over the span of a career, let alone right. in a single event. And this is a big deal for the country and something to be really celebrated because he had beat the previous record by three minutes and 46 seconds. Wow. So it was a big deal. Very nicely done. That was Sable from India. Mm-hmm. And the women's race. Oh, wow. So th- these were top level females. And we've been seeing that like the London Marathon was this as well, because these elite fields are smaller and they're really curating the best and the fastest for these events. So the winner of this event, Zach, will you say the name? It was Yalemzerf Yehuala. From Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. She ran 10446. Wow. She only missed the world record by 15 seconds. Yeah. And that uh, being the second fastest time ever, then. Um, so she's, you know, she's world, she's in the same year that the world record was set, which was back in February. Only three people have run near that time, and all three of them within this year. And all three of them were in this race together, too. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. So she was the winner of the World Half Marathon Championships, and she ran 105.19. So that is significant improvement from from that time, which was already fabulous time. So this this time she ran 104.46. And then second place being Ruth Mm Chepnagedich, who is the world champion in the marathon, as we mentioned, um, and running 105.06. So she, she put the hurt on her too. Mm-hmm. It's really something. Yeah, she's been showing up. She was third at the London Marathon. We all remember that epic kick that Sarah Hall had to beat Ruth. And it was the reason it was so exciting is because Ruth is one of the top in the world and, you know, will be a contender for the Olympic Games when they have them. And uh, I did want to mention too, she was the winner of the Doha Marathon as well. And then in third place is the current world record holder. Ababel Yashana, who is also from Ethiopia. And that world record time that she set back in February was 104.31. In this instance, she didn't quite have it in the final throws, running 105.21. Still incredible time. Yeah, fabulous time. And Bridget Kosgi was in the race, but she was out of it by about 23 minutes. Um, but she's had a great season. And, you know, <laughs> running is a brutal sport. Some days you have it, some days you don't. Well, when you're running against other world record holders, <laughs> right? what can you do? And you're grooving at their pace. Like, the pace is aggressive. I mean, if your body's off, maybe you didn't get a chance to see your PT. Maybe she was flying and, you know, was pretty locked up from that. There's so many reasons that to not be able to run, you know, five-minute pace for 
that that's far. under five minute pace andy okay under five minute pace <laughs> ouch uh, yeah Okay, so super exciting news on the home soil for us in the U.S. of A at the Updog 10-Miler event. And you ask, what's Updog? And of course, (laughs) I'm not going to go there. What's up, dog? No, stop. Booyah. Kira D'Amato killed it. We've been trying to talk this up for a while, and she... She served on a silver platter that record that we were all hoping. Yeah, so Kira got the women's only 10-mile American record, and she ran a time of 51.23, which is 5.09 per mile. Okay. Let that sink in. And she did that, like, pretty much solo. I mean, she had Molly Sedell and some, like, fabulous athletes within the race, but within a half a mile of the race, she had already pulled away. So she so, meant business, and she executed from the line. I think it's funny that you said business, because oh. our episode with her is called Unfinished Business. Well, <laughs> it still is unfinished, but it's a little more finished now than it was uh, back in the summer. Yeah, I would wow. say that she really checked that American record off her list. Not that she is done. She is far from it, but uh, that's something she can always be proud of and, of course, inspired all of us in the meantime. And I did want to mention, too, that um, Molly was part of that race, and she was second, and she was uh, she ran at a time of 53.36. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very respectable. Andy, what was that headline that yes. stood out to you? Interesting stuff. So Washington City paper headline said, amateur runner Kira D'Amato is now an American record holder. And I'm like, yes, because this woman should not be amateur. Every single company should be wanting to pay her money to run for them. Yeah. She is like the full package. I mean, she's she's really great. Like we had her on and I'll link to the episode because she's really great on air. She's got great things to say. She's a great role model. Like there's so many things about her besides her being like on fire, ridiculously fast and determined. So I did want to mention I I said Molly Seidel was in that race. And I just want to read something she said because it kind of gives you perspective. Again, Molly is going to the Olympics for the 2021 uh, Tokyo Games uh, in the marathon. So she is a future Olympian. And she said this. She, talking about Kira, is just so talented. I think it's really inspiring to see someone who kind of stepped away from the sport for a number of years and has now come back and is just lighting the world on fire. I think she's one of the favorites to make the team for Tokyo. I would say the 10K probably, but she could make it in the 5K at this point. I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. But right. hey, she's just so strong right now, and I don't think there's a lot of people doing what she's doing right now. And that's just it. There's not a lot of people doing what she's doing in the sense that she's at the very top of her game ever and finding opportunity to seal that envelope. Not finding opportunity. She's making opportunity. She's creating opportunity. She's creating her own opportunity. And that is just such an inspiring thing. Yes, she put is. on this Updog event, by the way. She named it because she is a jokester. If you don't follow her on Strava, her on Strava. it's a must. Because joke she has, every day. Yeah, joke every day. Keeping it light. Incredible stuff. So we have one more thing to talk about, and it's not quite as glittering news, but we did mention that uh, there was going to be a 24-hour record attempt. On the track. On the track. Uh, Vantasm 24-hour event. Killian Jornet, he um, was attempting this, and he has a lot of accolades to support this attempt, but he did get dizzy, and he had to drop out at 11 hours. A lot of things I could say right now about being dizzy while running circles on a track for 11 hours straight. But I'm not going to go there because we all know that 
it's a difficult thing to do no matter definitely, what. And so the, he made the attempt clearly with a person like this. Um, if he feels like he can get back into it and try it again another time, we'd love to see another attempt, whether yeah. it's him or someone else. These records, they just keep going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, the pace that you have to run for 24 hours to get this record is under 730 pace. So it's a pretty aggressive one. Yeah. So certainly lots of things to talk about in running. In in general, what we want to just do is quickly touch on a couple of things that are related to the topics we've been talking about lately in some running headlines. So certainly there has been a lot of conversation around ultra running and trail running as we've had a number of guests mm-hmm. that have kind of helped move that thought forward like we'll do in a different capacity today. Yeah, Carol is an ultra runner too. In fact, she is. Mm-hmm. And being from Alaska has very few options but to run quote trails or just run anywhere whether there's a trail or not but what we do want to mention is just a couple of things that have been floating about the runner sphere on runner's world and this would have been on november 19th they published personality traits of ultra runners which is a fascinating conversation Um, a couple of uh, small studies here that they were citing they essentially found as we might guess ultra marathon runners have a higher degree of mental toughness and self-efficacy as they were defining that by basically the belief that they will succeed. And so if you think about it, who attempts a 100 mile race, but someone who is tough and thinks they can be successful. Yeah. Well, you can't think you're successful in something like that if you're not tough. Mm -hmm. And so clearly they are both. Um, And that makes a lot of sense. And so certainly when we think about our previous guest and Rob was talking about his 200 mile races and things like that. He actually quote, I'll quote him. He said, I, something like I was not afraid to fail. Like he actually said, I almost quote him. I'll paraphrase (laughs) him. He said something to the effect of like, I'm not afraid to fail. Yeah. And so that's exactly it. We have we have to have that belief. And if you think about it, um, the the sense of you know who has that kind of uh, sense the most in most sports. Uh, they did a comparison with this study and found that uh, it was definitely consistent that ultra marathoners represented perhaps a higher degree of that than just about, if not any, other sports. And that's no surprise. Yeah, they it's even also said why like why I am not an ultra runner because I clearly <laughs> do not have the mental toughness. You're tough. Um, he's a steeplechaser, by the way which I think is pretty tough. But they did say that it was significantly higher than even those who do grit-heavy sports like rugby and mixed martial arts. So I thought that was interesting because I feel like rugby players are really tough, but ultramarathoners are tougher. Well, I wouldn't still, as an ultramarathoner, want to try to do anything physically against a rugby player. But I see the point. Mm -hmm. Then one other thing, this on Trail Runner Mag published an article about getting into long distance. And so if you're one of those thinking about doing these kinds of things, they had a couple of decent recommendations. And certainly just kind of a four point summary is they suggest define your goals, ramp up your resilience, especially do so gradually. Um, And then, of course, embrace fatigue because... You can't do long distance without feeling tired. And that fatigue tends to be a very general fatigue as well. It's not just while you're running. If you're going to run that many miles, you're going to yeah. feel tired for a while. Lack and of so, sleep. And, yeah, we got to kind of anticipate that. Um, and then, of course, shift your self-talk. And that, that feeds back to that self-efficacy comment from Runner's World. Mm. We can't believe that we can be successful while we're telling ourselves, this really hurts. This is miserable. I'm having a hard time. You know, those kinds of things don't generally fuel self-efficacy mm-hmm. in the long term. Yeah. So Makes that's sense. good advice from Trail Runner Mag. Yeah. Always appreciate those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So lots more coming at you, both events and headlines in the world of running. But for this week, we need to get on to our main topic. 
All right. As indicated, we're going to be talking about mental health and how running influences mental health for runners. Um, Before we do, just a disclaimer. We do want to say this, that if young years are listening or anyone sensitive to these kinds of topics, um, we're we're going to go into some details and some specifics, and especially in talking about specific examples from Carol's experiences in a bit. And so thinking about that, if there's concern and sensitivities there, be aware that's where we're planning to go, and we certainly understand if now is not the time to listen to those things. Mm-hmm. So that said, let's start with some research in general, and especially because very recently a, an enormous research of the research, a meta-study was conducted, and this was just published in November of 2020, this November, yeah. um, and, and looking at all the running-related mental health studies from 1970 until about 2018 when they started to actually finish um, and just really trying to uh, draw on trends. What do we know and what do we potentially not know that we think we might know? Mm-hmm. Um, so as you might guess, a lot of the conclusions were exactly what we would think they would be, which is, you know, things in general senses like running can improve mental health and some of the things that we're all fairly aware of in just kind of like personal experiences. Like I feel better when mm-hmm. I run. I feel better about myself. I feel better about people around me. Maybe that's true or not true for some of you. Um, certainly I do, and Andy does, because she's nicer to me when she has a chance to That's true. Sometimes train he shoots me out. He says, you need to go for a no, run. No, that's not true. <laughs> so this published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, and the title was A Scoping Review of the Relationship Between Running and Mental Health. So a couple of quick things that I want to draw on here, and we will put the link to the study, the direct link to the study um, as well, so that you can look at their methods and means and conclusions yourself if you like to do these kinds of things. Because, of course, we don't have the time to really go into the greatest depth that I would like us to. Um, So looking specifically at things like depression, anxiety, eating pathology, self-efficacy, and esteem, addiction, and mood, among a few other things. Um, And especially looking at comparisons like runners to non-runners, there are some comparisons about um, runners at certain levels of running, you know, introductory and habitual and some of those kinds of things, and drawing some interesting conclusions therein. So one example, um, runners to non-runners, they looked at 16 different studies that had compared runners to non-runners. And um, yeah, any guesses? Runners suffered less depression, anxiety, stress, mood problems, and there were a number of different things they associated with that, um, than non-runners. Of course, I have a question about that, and it's always a question that I ask with these kinds of things, which is, is, it's a chicken and egg thing. Is it that people who generally deal with less depression, less, and, and they tend to be runners, and so then the runners show less depression, or is it that the running causes or it induces greater degree of mental health. Um, And, you know, certainly we seem to see that the running helps with that thing. Uh, But I would love to see a study. They didn't have an example of this that compares a runner to before they ran. Yes, myself before being a runner and after being a runner and seeing the change or the trend there. Um, So I'm always curious. I'm I'm not skeptical in this sense. I'm curious what that would look like if that would be the same or different. They did also a lot of comparisons with different degrees of running, as mentioned, um, and a very important conclusion. And I do want to say this very clearly. In all of the studies they were reviewing that compared this kind of data, what they call, and they define this term, the obligatory runner, Mm -hmm. which is the person who runs or uses running in in out of balance, sacrificing other life commitments and relationships for running. And they they saw that as an out of balance thing in these instances. Mm -hmm. The person who is 
sacrificing life out of sync, out of balance, saw an increase in mental health concerns. Interesting. And that is a really important thing for mm-hmm. us to emphasize. And you hear us talk about this in vague terms about balance. And we, we support things that help runners thrive. And that's kind of our goal with all of this. Well, guess what? If we are obsessive and, so shall we say, and somewhat addictive when we do things with running, it can be negative. Yeah. And I've been on both sides, I believe. Because as I, I have as well. Yeah. So there's a time that I was doing really well with running for freedom and running because I loved it and it was great for my mental health. And then when I started putting some pressure on myself, I was more fatigued, um, probably a little bit more down, you would say. So I can yep. I can understand this. And as we talk to Carol, think about her reasons for doing it and why it's so life-giving to her. And I was really inspired and I will be emulating that. So here's one of the really important conclusions with all of this, which was they found that the benefits, those mental health benefits that we can experience from running, they started to realize those benefits in in all of these studies as soon as someone included even a small amount of running in their regular experience. And so they were looking at even like just for three weeks, have someone run a little bit every day. And they were doing things like 15 or 20 minute runs, you know, really short and small stuff. And they saw those benefits, those measurable benefits Mm -hmm. on mental health just from that so when we look at this and we say i've got to run for for the sanity and those kinds of things if life is too crazy i can still get that little bit of running in and it can achieve that same benefit yeah it's huge it's it's such a freeing conclusion Mm -hmm. when we when we think about these things Yeah, just get out the door (laughs) just just that little bit yeah yes good um so of course i'm curious about um what happens to the habitual runner Uh, not necessarily even just the obligatory runners, but the habitual runner who suddenly cannot run injuries Mm. or life circumstance. You know, I've talked to so many of you who the change in a job, the change in a family situation, and I don't have the time and space to do the training the way I was or would like to. Um, And we didn't see a lot of significant studies that were showing that except what they would do is they would take runners and non-runners. So they take runners and have them stop running. And they would take non-runners and have them start running and look at the trending factors there. And as you might guess, a habitual runner who stops running for a period of time sees a decline in mental health mm. in almost every measurable sense. Yeah. So the depression side of things, the anxiety and stress, mood, and even addictive behaviors in other capacities. That's huge. Yeah. It reminds us about some of the things, you know, we talk about controllable factors and life balance and some of that. And if I am using running in in a sense medicinally, which you can do, certainly can do. And we're going to talk about that with a different study in just a moment. Um, I need to be aware of the fact because running is a fragile thing. My health is a fragile thing. And if I cannot run for a period of time, I have to understand that can have these negative implications on me. And so what we do with that and how we cope with those kinds of things, of course, is very different from, you know, for different people at different times. But we do talk a lot with our athletes, as well as we've talked on air about the importance of understanding the underlying objective that I have. Why am I running and what is that fulfilling in my life and how I can see that being fulfilled, even if the running isn't present. That's Mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. So two summarizing statements from this meta study. Uh, First, consistent evidence was found for positive association between mental health and habitual or long-term recreational running compared to non-runners. And then, of course, contrast that with um, higher extreme levels of running were potentially associated with markers of ill health. 
um, if it became obligatory and out of balance. Mm. Uh, then summary statement number two, any and all degrees of running do have those consistent positive influences on our mental health. So even if I can't get in my 10 hours of training every week. That's a lot. <laughs> okay. But even if I can't, I, a little bit can go a long way mm. in this kind of instance. Yeah. Um, a quick summarizing uh, comment from an article from Cigna, which was uh, entitled Eight Ways Running Works Wonders for Your Mind, uh, basically talking about the connection between, this is this is uh, not directly studied by the mental health ones, but how running improves what is called neurogenesis. Mm-hmm. You know what that is, Andy? <laughs> Only because you told me when well, we discussed. Okay, yeah. mind genesis. Yes. So mind and beginning. That yeah. is really truly just meaning learning, like new learning. And it's it's just mental growth. And so the, the neurological stuff that's happening is better, happens better if I am doing this regular exercise program. Yeah. And that's huge because yeah. that, that doesn't just mean my mental health can be better, but I can actually do things that my mind needs to do better like learning so students out there if you're engaging in any kind of study that is can it's improved Mm. by regular exercise it makes me think of my sister who used to Mm. run and would bring note cards with her or like listen to her notes as she'd run and then also she would do it when she was cycling i think she still might do some of that when she's cycling uh now she's a dnp but Yes. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that you have to do the studying during well, the run to right. get the benefit. Uh, <laughs> I know, but, but it made me yes. think of that, though. Yeah, good, good. Now, we do want to address a couple of interesting things came from this John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins um, doctor researcher. And he had published an article that, of course, we'll link to this as well, um, suggesting some misconceptions. And I think this mm. is really important here. We're making a lot of positive connections, but there are misconceptions. We talk a lot as runners about endorphins and it's like the runner's high thing, right? All oh, the endorphins. And now I feel great. And all of this, um, and whether or not you experience what they sometimes refer to as the runner's high specifically, or you just a general sense of, you know, positive well-being, which is kind of where we make that association with it. endorphins. Um, So this article from David J. Linden actually refutes the concept, uh, but we will replace it with something else. He, He specifically says that it's not the endorphins that are doing that because the endorphins that are produced in our muscles from the running don't get into our brain. They, they don't work that way. And he explains it much clearer, more clearly than that. I'm not going to try to do the science explanation of this. Um, and so that's a, that's a really important reflection. So what really is happening then with this endorphin stuff? Um, it's not endorphins. It's, this is really fascinating to me. Um, endocannabinoids. Okay. Now look at the word root there. So actual cannabinoids. A- so actual cannabis. High. Okay, the thing that happens when you ingest cannabis is largely it's a neurological thing. It's not um, it's not a drug high like the actual THP or TCP or whatever the in marijuana. Um, the cannabis part of it is a neurological effect that um, is the same concept. It, the endocannabinoids are influenced by cannabis in a similar way that they're influenced by running. So this ah. idea of runner's high is quite a bit more literal than we used to think it was, um, at least according to this Johns Hopkins researcher. Interesting. Yes. Interesting stuff. Yes. So he says, of course, that does mean it's, it's essentially it's suppressing the things that cause stress and anxiety. That's what the endocannabinoids are doing in your brain. And they're helping facilitate... Here's the word again, neurogenesis. Okay. Better learning. So more positive emotions and 
better learning okay. as a result of running. Of course, we, we're just making a, the case. Yeah, we're making benefits. the case. This is so good. Um, and then the question of what about emotion? You know, there's an emotional aspect here. And they were finding in a couple of studies um, found this in different senses with people as well as with mice because one of the studies I was reading, I found out after I read the whole thing that it was mice, but it was still fascinating. Um, they were largely finding that the stress reduction thing with running, uh, interestingly enough, um, by itself – Running doesn't seem to have a consistent result of stress reduction for runners. And we talked about the obligatory mm. runner a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you add in the social aspect, then we see an even greater potential for the stress reduction side of those things. So that's not necessarily just running with other people, but being around other runners. And maybe being part of the A to Z running community. There we go. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. All right, so here's the here's the statement from Lyndon. Exercise has a dramatic antidepressive effect. It blunts the brain's response to physical and emotional stress. There you go. There we have it. Okay, and one more comment in a general sense on that because we brought up the social thing, and Carol's going to talk about the running community mm-hmm. as you hear us talk so much about different senses of that. She'll bring up how the running community has been influential in her experience as well. And I do want to mention a study then also published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, this one from October 2018, entitled Running as a Form of Therapy, Socio-Psychological Functions of Mass Running Events. For men and women so long title to basically say running is good in social events <laughs> all right now why is the big question and it is of course because we we derive inspiration and encouragement from that social event the mass event experience the race experience and the study looked at four different categories i found this really fascinating the actual social relational category is not super high in what motivates us or inspires us in that experience. I would have thought that would have been one of the highest. Um, It's high, but it's not among the highest. In fact, the idea that being at the event and a part of the energy associated with the event is the thing that is significantly higher in motivations. So I don't really care to interact with you all when we're at races. This is the point that they're making. But I want to be near you when we're doing the race thing together. Isn't that a fascinating nuance? Because it is different. It's a little... It is yeah. It is. Because runners also have this 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 underlying trend of introversion as opposed to extroversion, hmm. especially long distance runners. Okay. And so we don't necessarily want to really interact with each other when we're together. Yeah. We just want to run by it's each like other. Side by side time. <laughs> yes. Like you know, people that are fishing aren't necessarily talking the whole time, but they're doing something together and there's a connection, there's a social aspect. I can get it. I understand it. It's huge. Yeah. So there's a lot more we can say about this. I don't want to spend the time getting into too many more details at this point, but um, it has a lot to do with the desire to test ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we talked earlier about the mental toughness and the self-efficacy. I believe I can succeed. Now I want to prove it. And I like to prove it in this big social setting race experience where the energy is high and I can prove it amongst others who are striving in the same direction as I am. That's awesome. And to... That kind of brings us to our interview because I don't know if I have ever met, albeit via Zoom, anyone tougher than Carol. Because you'll hear her story and the things that she has done and it will make your jaw drop. So she will be coming on our show We are so grateful to have her. She's been, uh, Women's Running Magazine has had her, and now she's here on the A to Z Running Podcast to share her story with us. It's a very generous sharing of her story, so we very much appreciate it. Now, Carol Septalou is, she's going to talk about how she's given a second chance at life. 
So Sepalu, some years ago, attempted suicide, resulting, of course, then in significant damage. And you'll see she's wearing a mask as she's talking with us. Uh, most of the damage associated with her jaw and her airways. And then, you know, the natural result of that making greater degrees of challenge in this endeavor, too. And so now she runs ultra marathons. Yeah. And it's, you know, these, these two things don't just, you know, go naturally from one to the other. Um, the barriers in between are immense. And so, of course, she's enduring unimaginable struggles. Um, but she's using her story. And, mm -hmm. and this is one of the things we appreciated the most and why we even were put on to her specifically and learned about her is because she's using her story to inspire and encourage others in their battles with mental health mm -hmm. as well. So put this in perspective a moment. Um, in a piece by Anchorage Daily News, they noted that Carol sometimes has to scrape ice off her tracheostomy tube in order to breathe while she's running. Mm -hmm. So she's from Anchorage. She's from Alaska and from running in training in Alaska Nome, a lot of the yeah. time. No, I almost said Anchorage, but that was because of the news thing. Um, <laughs> and so in Nome, northern Alaska, and she's running and training a lot of the time there and even doing some of her ultra marathon runs there. And the cold is a common factor in these yeah. things. And to think about like for all of us, we don't like the cold in a general yeah. sense. Like it's it's a difficult thing. And the added struggles that presents to her. Um, they also note that she can't breathe out of her nose at all. And so, you know, the, the point here being that what we find to be struggles with the sport, all of us, um, she will often find to be a struggle in an even greater degree. And yet here she brings her second chance mm -hmm. at life mm -hmm. to the rest of us to share and inspire and hopefully encourage us as well. So here's Carol with her message of hope. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, this is so special for us to have you on the show all the way in Alaska. So we Nome. appreciate you. Yeah, From Nome, Alaska. Nome, Alaska. <laughs> um, how are things in Nome? It's, it snowed a whole bunch the other night. So we're back to winter again, which I'm really happy about. You like it then. You like the winter. I love the winter. <laughs> I don't have to worry about theirs. True. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there's so many different dynamics that I don't think we think about when you're you're mountain running, right? Mm -hmm. Very awesome. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, why running can improve emotional and mental health. And we're so excited that Carol has generously uh, accepted coming on the show to tell her story, a very powerful story. So, Carol, would you mind telling us about your start with running? So, uh, when I was 16 years old, I was very depressed and I had attempted suicide while I was intoxicated. Um, and I survived. That was a very... Um, very traumatizing experience for me. So I, I've been living with depression most of my life. And in 2014, I remember waking up at noon. It was a beautiful day. I could see the sun shining through the curtain and I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, I was 233 pounds, unhappy and unhealthy, 
and I told myself, Carol, you gotta do something. Go for a two-mile run. How hard could that be? So I, I went out with my dog. I ran a couple of walks, and I was out of breath. Um, but I decided to walk the rest of the way, and I did that every day. And pretty soon, the those two blocks, they turned into one mile, and then I could run two miles, and I just kept running. Um, it made me happier. I lost a lot of weight. Um, and now I'm running ultra marathons. <laughs> I, I can't seem to uh, stop running. I'd say so. You've run eight ultra marathons. Is that eight. right? I I haven't really been keeping track, um, but I I ran quite a few. That is a lot. <laughs> I finished my first hundred miler in August. Um, wow. We got We got Yes, clap. round of applause That's, for you. Wow. That's incredible. Like that completely blows my mind. A hundred miler. Where did you do that, Carol? In Alaska at Resurrection Pass, it was, it's a completely self-supported race. I had to carry everything that I needed on me. And it was out in the mountains in the middle of nowhere where the bears are. And I, I ran into one bear that ran up a tree as I approached him. <laughs> and the other one was pretty far away, but so very scary. That is so incredible. That's so incredible. Congratulations. So tell us about your relationship with running and, you know, how it plays into your mental and emotional health. I noticed that my depression was easier to manage when I started running. I'm not so busy being sad about everything that I've been through. I'm out there um, worried about bears. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of sunshine and just really enjoying the outdoors. And I really do believe that nature has a powerful ability to heal you like when you're out there connected with nature where um, I feel like we, where we really belong um, when we're in tune with that part of us, I think it, it can do a lot of healing. I, I'm, I'm a lot happier <laughs> when I'm out there. So uh, the, how does, how do you get to the point where you're doing hundred mile races then? And so I'm, I'm kind of feeling a sense from, as you're describing this, Carol, that it's a lot about you, you love being out there. You love being in it. And the running has so many benefits then in that sense that it's almost like running longer. It's just better. And it's, so how, <laughs> how did, how did that come about? You, you ran a couple times around the block and then you're running a hundred mile race. Was that a quick transition for you? You immediately wanted to start doing ultras, or was it slower? Well, I, that was in 2014 when I started, and 
that next year, I entered an eight-mile race. So I thought, well, if I could do an eight, I could do a half marathon. And then I kind of jumped up to a 20-mile race. Uh, a friend of mine, she went to a 100K race in Louisiana, and I followed her, and I completely fell in love with the ultra running community. They were already happy doing something really difficult. And uh, that's something that I really wanted um, because I had a very difficult life and I, I wanted to learn how to enjoy it. Um, they inspired me. Yeah, there's two really important things you just touched on there, Carol. Uh, one is that sense of accomplishment. You can go out and you can do something really incredible and feel a sense of accomplishment. And the other is being able to feel that sense of accomplishment within a community. And we, we, we see that a lot throughout the, you know, the, the idea of mental and emotional health is often tied to that sense of feeling those good things in a community. And you're not the first person who's mentioned to us that ultra runners have a really neat community. There, there's some interesting people there and, and that relation like that too. But then of course, you're also training in Nome, Alaska. So what, is the, what does that look like to be able to continue to stay engaged with other ultra marathoners? Do you communicate with people? Do you travel for those races? I'm assuming that might be part of it too. I travel um, to different states and around Alaska too. Um, but we do have runners here, not a whole lot. Um, but I, I have this goal uh, of completing an ultra in all 50 states. So it will probably take a while. But I, I really do love meeting other runners. Um, every, every race I go to, I meet someone who quite a few people who will look me up on social media and say, hey, I ran with you. <laughs> I think you're amazing. Um, and I, I wear, I've worn a mask for 21 years now, and I, I rarely take it off out in public. Um, but I, I don't wear it when I'm running the long distances because it, it's too time consuming to put another one back on and just the support I get from the runners who I, I don't even know the encouragement I get from them it's very uplifting and um, I, I don't ever hear anything negative from me, any of the people I meet out there um, when I'm running ultras. It has a cool community and to be ex and just be part of it and to feel all of yourself, right? To be able to run and not feel like people, people see your strength and resilience and they're there to cheer you on. Um, that's just a really great feeling. I want to hear a little bit more too about, about your training and um, those times of reflection and, and being in nature and you talked about how that's part of your culture. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I'm from St. Lawrence Island. I'm Siberian Yupik. My ancestors, they were, they were endurance 
athletes, uh, they had to run and walk far to get where they needed to go because back then they didn't have cars. They had dog teams and in the summer they they would walk and run uh, to go hunting and they were in very good shape. I, I read stories about them and I hear stories of uh, their in, endurance. Uh, it was very inspiring to me when I started running. Um, so when I'm out there up in the mountains, I think about them a lot and how far they had to go. Um, they weren't doing it for fun. They had to do it. Um, when I ran my 100-mile race at Resurrection Pass, I just got into that um, that mindset where I told myself, you, you have to get there. <laughs> just um, do it. You'll make it um, if you believe that you can. And I, I did it. I thought about my people um, and how strong they were and that, that really strengthened me and made me believe that I could accomplish something like that. And I, I have been trying to finish a 100 miler since 2017 and I finally got it done this year. Awesome. That is a big one. We've both only gone the marathon distance. So the whole idea of like ultras and then like the next level is is the 100 miler. Because that's like, you know, way more. So quite incredible. And that's cool that you can pull on the strength of your heritage too, knowing that they that the endurance is part of your DNA. And that's really cool. Very, very cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. So I want to read something that you said in women's running um, in an interview with them. I just thought it was so awesome. Running ultras helps me to be stronger physically, mentally, and emotionally. I need that, especially in my life, because I've been through some pretty tough situations. I shouldn't be here, but I am. So, Carol, we would love to hear from you a message to our listeners. What would you say to someone who is is feeling... Um, who's feeling sad, who's having some mental health issues, who's maybe wanting to seek out some, some help, um, what would you say to them? Um, yeah, there's going to be some very tough moments where it's completely dark. I've been there so many times where it feels like you can't go anymore and you don't know who to um get help from um, you just have to get past that point and then you'll be okay um, I I know that place very well and I go through it a lot but I know it's not always going to be like that um, you're going to be happy and you're going to see some incredible things in life and you have to, what I, I like to do is I like to have a goal that I look forward to um, and 
if I complete that goal, I, I go for another one. Um, but I know it's not always going to be dark. Um, and it's a place where I don't want to be. So I, I try my very best to get out of that. You have to have a very strong mind. And some things I like to do to strengthen my mind is I listen to a lot of motivational talks on YouTube or I read books on some and just spend a lot of time outdoors um, out in the sunshine where I get um, the vitamin D that we need to be happy. get through that dark moment and you'll be okay. Yeah. And you, you know how to, because you live in Alaska where you have dark and then it does come. Summer does come. (laughs) You have the time where it's dusky for a while, but there is a change of season, right? The sun does come up again a little bit higher than the horizon, (laughs) right? Yeah. We have four hours of sunlight during the winter and then, in the summer, we get it 24-7. <laughs> so I, I think our listeners would probably ups, be upset with us if we didn't at least ask you, because of something like running ultra marathons in Alaska, with the bears, with the weather, with the terrain, what 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 does your gear look like when you're doing something like that? Are you carrying bear mace? You said four lights. What, what else are you wearing and carrying? I carry... Bear spray, uh, emergency poncho. Uh, if you get wet out there, um, you can get really cold fast. And that thing saved my life in 2017 when I ran the 50 miler. It rained hard. Um, and I carry food and water. I think I carried a bit too much water. Um, during that race, but um, just good socks uh, to keep your feet dry. That's thing, right? Things things you don't necessarily always think about too. Like it's good to have the extra socks because you 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 won't you know if your feet do get wet, you can't do anything about it unless you have some socks with you to change them out. The poncho that's great. Is you're packing for a trip. I mean, it is a trip. It's a hundred mile trip. Like, you know, for those of us who are just like going out for a run, like we don't need to pack stuff because we're not going for a trip. A hundred miles. Yeah, that's a long way to go. <laughs> well, Carol, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, any encouragement you want to give? Um, I, I like to say keep going. Uh, that's my favorite. That's great. That's a wonderful mantra. And, and especially, you know, the, the bad moments, whatever they look like for anyone, whenever they strike, to just keep going. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much for taking some of your own time mm-hmm. and sharing your story. And not just with us, but you've shared it in many places and, and with many audiences. And it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, the Appreciate running community it. is really fortunate to have you. Thank you. Carol, thank you so much. You are an inspiration and encouragement to all of us. Definitely. Absolutely. And she's not 
slowing down. So during this pandemic time, she's run three ultra marathons, three more ultra marathons covering the complete road system in Nome, Alaska, which doesn't sound like something until you say how much that road system right. covers. One of them was 90 miles. Uh, in the previous week, she ran the 73 mile road. So there's like two 70 plus own. mile yeah. and then a 90 mile. And, and in August, she did her 100 miler. So and she it's actually four. So, you know, just small stuff oh yeah i mean (laughs) huge and amazing Uh, so one final note of encouragement from carol that i want to bring up from her instagram feed which is at n-a-s-q-a-q so many inspirational posts there she said this there is a power greater than the heaviness we go through. It's something so simple yet so profound and easily accessible because it's everywhere. This power is what rises after a night of darkness. Light. I go through depression and some days it feels too heavy, but I don't want to stay in the dark. So I collect every ounce of light I can find. My most favorite place to gather happiness is on a mountaintop. Seek your light and hold on to it. Keep going. Mm. That being said, if you're struggling, there's so many of us who are struggling during this pandemic and just in life in general. Um, And if you have any self-harm or suicidal thoughts, please seek help at the National Suicide Prevention Line, 1-800-273-TALK. So thank you for joining us this week. More in store for you soon. And as always, we're here to help runners thrive so if you've got comments if you've got questions and if you think that we have something to offer you in supporting your running endeavors reach out anytime find us at a to z running.com